Around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived, attack again 10 years later, and then disappear completely. Sylvia Brown wrote this in her 2008 book. She claimed to be a psychic. This prediction so eerily matches with the pandemic that, well, she simply must be correct. And wow, a real psychic. Could it finally be? Kim Kardashian tweeted about it, so it must be true. Sure, maybe COVID couldn't resist all known treatments as it could be treated. And no, maybe COVID hasn't suddenly vanished, but it's close, right? She said that it would come back in 10 years too. So everyone watch out in 2030 because COVID part two electric boogaloo is arriving soon. But before you go stocking up on toilet paper again, let's hear a few more of Sylvia's predictions because she also claimed that the common cold would be done with by 2010. And around that time, a DNA sample of every infant would be mandatory. She also said that doors and windows will no longer have visible locks, that liquid medicine will be replaced by vaporized heat, and that in 2013, five international companies would make a successful movement to revitalize the rainforest. Scars and telemarketing are supposed to have vanished by now, only for us to have flying police cars, known extraterrestrials identifying themselves. Well, maybe something about aliens. I don't know, I don't think we even care anymore. Affordable personal robots to cook and clean. like. All right, maybe she got most of it wrong, but it's still cool that she kind of sort of predicted the pandemic, right? The thing is, Sylvia Brown, psychic extraordinaire, was effectively throwing crap at a wall and just seeing what sticks. Absolutely. I'm voting for Trump, right? If that's your vote, I quit. The Simpsons seems to have more accurate predictions than she does, and that's just a cartoon show. The Simpsons featured a submarine disaster, complex math equations, voter booth pandemic, Lady Gaga performing at the Super Bowl, Trump running for president, and a pandemic. The dreaded Osaka flu has hit Springfield with over 300 cases. But then why aren't the Simpsons writers calling themselves psychic? Well, because they're not. Because babbling a bunch of random doomsday factoids doesn't exactly make you special. Sylvia, however, never got that message. And unfortunately for the rest of us, she decided to use her psychic abilities for one task in particular, locating missing children. And today on Multi-Level Mondays, we're going to talk about one of the worst scammers of them all, Sylvia Brown. It's one thing to be a psychic predicting love or the lack thereof. Can you tell me where my love life's going? Nowhere. She's going. Do you know where she's at? in the house or under the house. I'll ever see her again. Yeah, in heaven on the other side. Sylvia Brown told us What a horrible <laughs> human being. Uh, had uh, real long dark hair. And strange enough, it's very Sylvia was only three years old when she claimed her powers manifested themselves. Apparently, Sylvia announced that her grandfather was dead and she would have a baby sister in three years. Both happened and thus a psychic was born. Eventually married in 1959 and had children with a man named Gary Dufresne. But the whole psychic thing really stuck with her. When she was about 40 years old, she would hold little tarot readings in her house and tell people about themselves, seemingly indifferent to any harm she might cause. Dufresne said in later years after they had divorced, quote, I said to her as we were washing dishes and she was wiping, I said, Sylvia, how can you tell people this kind of stuff? 
you know it's not true. And some of these people actually are probably going to believe it. And she said, screw them. Anybody who believes this stuff ought to be taken. Sylvia has of course denied this, but whether it's true or not, this is how she got her start. Vanya Erickson recalled how as a college student, she would spend $30 for a group reading and go with her friends to see Sylvia. It was expensive, but she was better than all the other psychics around. And bit by bit, her popularity grew and grew. Although I'll get back to other mishaps she had along the way, one thing became memorable and a standout. Sylvia wanted to help parents find missing kids, supposedly. The thing is, for the quote, best psychic around, as Vanya called her, Sylvia was quite terrible at predictions. The skeptical inquirer even compiled the dozens and dozens and dozens of public failures Sylvia had. And as a weekly guest on the Montel Williams show, they're not hard to come by. Now, we obviously can't go over all of them as there are literally that many, but let's discuss some of the most notorious examples, starting with Amanda Berry. I don't think I'll ever see her again. Yeah, in heaven on the other side. Back in 2004, Luana Miller, mother of Amanda Berry, went on Montel Williams after her daughter disappeared. Although Luana had determinedly believed her daughter was alive and was determined to find her, Sylvia crushed that hope for her. Check this out. Now, although the clip isn't shown and only transcribed, Sylvia also told Luana, quote, she's dead, honey. So first, let's go straight to the obvious. The way she says it, incredibly rude, matter of fact, and very unsympathetic. Regardless of if her ex-husband was telling the truth or not, I could absolutely hear this cold, swindling woman say that people like Luana deserve to be taken. I think it's an incredibly shitty situation because we know that the vast majority of children who go missing are dead or killed if they're not found within 24 hours. We also know that psychics aren't real, but desperate, vulnerable people are still going to turn to them. I don't blame Luana one bit for going to Sylvia for help, closure, or whatever it is she wanted to hear. But here's the infuriating part. Luana died two years after speaking with Sylvia, and years later, Amanda Berry was found alive, held hostage for an entire decade. I cannot imagine the absolute hell and devastation of seeing that clip, what it must have done to Amanda if she had seen it. And I could only imagine if she was being tormented by captors for a decade, they probably did show it to her to be like, look, everyone thinks you're dead. No one cares about you. There's no point in escaping. I totally imagine it was a psychological ploy. Amanda would have had to watch her own mother be told that she was dead and be convinced of that fact, only for Luana to pass away before she could ever learn the truth. And what did Sylvia say about this? She said, we should all be happy that she was wrong. And as her fans were keen to point out, Sylvia was right about one thing anyway, that the suspect was, quote, Cuban looking, which, whatever that means. Also, can I just say that in many of the predictions that I've seen her make, the suspect she sees is often always a person of color. Like, seriously, I don't know why that has to be a thing, but um, it's always a thing for her apparently. But moving on. This is by far one of the worst and one of the most known examples of things she got wrong. And my heart breaks for Amanda, but she is unfortunately far from alone. The guy was um, dark-skinned, um, although he wasn't black, he was more a Hispanic looking. Um, had a real Sylvia also told the parents of Sean Hornbeck that their missing son was dead. With nothing to go on, no leads or trails, they were especially lost in searching for answers. Sylvia told them that he was in a 20 mile radius of where he was taken, southwest, and near two jagged boulders among some trees. 
Sean's bicycle was in another state in a dump. These were the most specific instructions Sean's parents had, so they ran with them. And for three weeks, the search took place within a 20 mile radius southwest, all of it following her specific instructions. Almost four years later, Sean Hornbeck, just like Amanda, was found alive. And yes, I am glad, I'm thrilled she was wrong. It's not as if I want Sylvia to be right that these children are dead. I just want her to stop pretending like she knows anything about these cases when in reality, she's just making stuff up on the fly to look credible and seemingly relying on their bodies never being found. And think about it for a minute. Sylvia was effectively betting on the chance that these children, children would never be recovered. After all, the more time goes on, the greater the chance is that these cases will eventually become cold cases. Chances are exceedingly slim that she would be right about jagged rocks or how they died or any of that. Instead, the odds are in her favor that these missing children may never be found. If they are, she's wrong. And if they aren't, then you can't prove her wrong. And that's what really sickens me so much about this. She's effectively playing a game of chance with the deaths of children in the hopes of just making herself look good, get more attention, and obviously more money. I don't know if I can truly express just how messed up this is, but again, these aren't the only two examples. She's not dead, but what bothers me. Now, I've never heard of this before, but for some reason she was taken and put into some kind of slavery thing and taken into Japan. She's gotten predictions wrong on the other side of the aisle too. She told the grandparents of missing six-year-old Opal Jennings that she had been sold into slavery in Japan. Once again, it's like she's betting on Opal not being found and proving her wrong. Either that or Sylvia genuinely deluded herself into believing that she had any idea what was wrong. Also, simply because I just have to mention this, she's not giving this advice away for free unless it's on television. So just keep that in mind. If you couldn't get chosen on the show to speak with her, you would have to pay $750 for a private consultation. Now, if that isn't fleecing a desperate parent, just charging them whatever to spew whatever comes out of your mouth, then I don't really know what is. Now, Opal was eventually found four years later and in Texas. She was estimated to have died not long after her abduction, meaning that no, she was not sold into slavery in Japan. But imagine just for a minute that you're Opal's grandparents. Your beloved granddaughter was kidnapped outside your home and you're desperate for answers. Someone that is seen as a credible source, a psychic, tells you that she's in Japan. Wouldn't you do everything in your power to fly there, to start searching in Japan? Now, I'm not sure if Opal's grandparents even had the means to do this, but it would absolutely make sense if they did. Sylvia wasn't fully seen as a quack at this time. By some, sure, but she was being featured on television, she wrote dozens of best-selling books, and she inspired other psychics to follow in her footsteps. The point here is at this point in time, she was believable and people did listen to her. Opal's grandparents could have very well spent years hoping their granddaughter was alive and would come back to them, searching in all the wrong places for her when she had passed long before. In my opinion, Sylvia isn't offering anyone closure. She isn't a counselor who sat with these people and you know helped them handle tragedies. Instead, she spouted lies in a cruel, cold-hearted way for money and nothing more. I'm willing to be wrong. And in this case, I would honestly love to be. But Sylvia's actions had real consequences on people's lives. And all too often, she really didn't give a damn. Mark didn't want to die in the hospital. He wanted to go home. But Sylvia Brown told us that he was going to live to the end of the month and he'd get better. My daughter-in-law wanted to take him home with us, but 
Take the story of Mark, for example. Terry knew her adult son, Mark, was dying of cancer. Doctors told her he didn't have much time left and Mark's family had been given the option of hospice care. Basically, as there was nothing more the hospital could do for him, they said that Mark could go home and be at peace surrounded by his family in his final days. And that's what Mark would have wanted, as his wife had said at the time. But Terry wanted to know if her son could make it. Should he stay in the hospital, where he might make a miraculous recovery? And so the family did what Sylvia suggested. They kept Mark in the hospital, clinging to the hope that he could recover. And when he did come home to them, he'd be healed. Unfortunately, Mark died two days later in the hospital. And now Terry and her daughter-in-law are left to live with the knowledge and grief that Mark wasn't able to pass in the way that he wanted. And again, I don't blame the victims here. I cannot imagine who I might desperately turn to in that kind of situation. Watching a child or spouse die is heartbreaking, and there is no perfect decision or clear-cut answer as to what to do. But Sylvia, who didn't know Mark, who didn't know any extent of his illness, felt qualified to give Terry a medical end-of-life decision. How many others have been given false hope by Sylvia? How many others have done exactly as she suggested, only to be worse off for it? I'm not sure I can say, or if that kind of thing is even quantifiable, but it is clear that the parents of missing and dying children relied on Sylvia for advice in their darkest hours. And Sylvia, the parasite that she was, profited from their pain. Terry said in an interview that Sylvia made a giant mistake and that she could forgive her because Sylvia's only human. If I were in Terry's position, I'm not so sure that I could. But if you still think that Sylvia's actions are forgivable, that maybe she was just trying to provide comfort, then I have some not so shocking news for you. Because as always, it gets worse. Sylvia wasn't just a psychic. She was also a former church leader. I guess for the fun of it, apparently. I'm honestly not sure why. It genuinely just looks like this was something she decided to do for the hell of it in the 80s when she had a following and deluded herself into believing that she was a very important spiritual figure. When starting in 1986, Sylvia told her followers that she had been channeling a spirit, Francine, for over two decades, and her goal was to disseminate the teachings that she'd received. Although God and Satan are present in the society of Novus Spiritus, it's not the traditional Christian message you might expect. Instead, Novus is meant to affirm the existence of a loving God, to use any pain as a learning tool, and to affirm that souls go to heaven after death. And while this might sound like something Christians believe, it puts a very psychic nature-bent lean on the message. According to Encyclopedia, members believe in both Mother God and Father God who reflect the patterns of nature. While God the Father holds creation in a constant state of being, God the Mother actively works with and through human beings for learning and perfection. Each is a distinct entity, not just a nebulous force, and they are addressed as Om, male, and Asna, female. Now the group calls themselves Gnostic Christians and believe that loyalty, gratitude, and commitment are the foundations of their faith. It's about peace, the soul, and reincarnation. And outwardly, it doesn't seem very harmful. Some of their statements are completely wrong, like when they state on their About Me page that they're the first new religion in 2000 years, and that's simply not true. There are plenty of new religions based on Christianity out there, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, Adventists, Hare Krishna movement, Scientology, all of those are less than 2000 years old. But okay, Sylvia Brown started one of the newest religions of the millennia, sure. Other than all the talk of peace and love and whatnot, is the message actually decent? Like, is it worth listening to? Well, so you don't have to, I read through her sermon and listened to parts of her Life on the Other Side audiobook. 
Here's a few of her best quotes, at least in my opinion. There is no devil. If there is any hell, it is here. You are in it. Part one, the other side, how I know what I know. I believe in the other side in the eternity of the soul. I believe our spirits make the round trip from this world to the other side many times, the dimension of the other side. I believe that the other side is home, where we will all come from, where we'll all go again, and then we will carry... We are worried about nuclear war. There is not going to be a nuclear war. I promise you there will not be. Now, she also discusses the libraries in heaven, the research centers, the schools, and there are a ton of houses of worship. Every religion and learning center is there, and they all get along and pray side by side. Catholic, Muslims, monks, etc., they all pray to the same God side by side. Also, our personalities stay exactly the same. And already, I'm just a hair confused. If everyone goes to heaven and our personalities stay the same, then why would we all suddenly get along in heaven? Do racist people just change their minds when they get there? Sylvia is pretty transparently only telling people what they want to hear everything's going to be perfect, there's an infinite amount of room and ways to learn, and we all sit in a circle and sing kumbaya and retain all our memories and personalities. I'm not claiming to know what heaven's like. I really don't believe anyone alive fully knows that. Sylvia might know about an afterlife now since she's been deceased for 10 years, but I don't think she knew what it was when she was on earth. Plus, even if she did, isn't it a bit trashy the way she went about her life? I mean, this woman sold multiple best-selling books about what lay on the other side. If she knew that this dark world could use a wholesome message about peace and kindness, then why did she gatekeep it for money? Why charge people to hear this message or make a church out of it? Instead, Sylvia lived her life in a money-hungry fashion, charging hundreds to desperate parents and making millions of dollars off of others' pain. But that's not the only way she made money because, you know, of course it's not. I don't want to say that this is a little known fact about Sylvia Brown because honestly, it's readily available information, like a quick Google and you'll find it. However, in many of the articles I've seen and in the clips where she gives advice, no one seems to mention it. Personally, I think it needs to be discussed more and that's her financial fraud. Back in 1992, after the church had started and before her most problematic missing children's cases, Sylvia and Kensel Brown ran a scam together. Kensel was her third husband whose name she adopted. She just added a knee on the land. The two of them had been illegally selling securities that weren't actually registered with the state of California. And the four major pieces of the complaint are as follows. Getting a $20,000 investment in their gold mining company while misrepresenting their financial status, using the money for personal debts, declaring bankruptcy without telling their investor, and then telling said investor his money would be recovered when in actuality, the mining equipment was sold. Basically, it sounds like they tried to get rich quick by mining gold were completely floundering and took advantage of this investor's trust. It's funny in a pathetic, ironic sort of way. Throughout her career as a psychic, Sylvia claimed to have worked with the FBI. In truth, the only real relationship she had with law enforcement was when she was hired by a local police station and her work didn't contribute or solving anything or when she'd been investigated for her own schemes. Her tax returns, loans, and other organizations were also in question, but the U.S. attorney declined prosecuting her due to lack of sufficient evidence. Because yes, she had a tax-exempt organization called the Nirvana Foundation, meant to be for psychic research. I swear anyone can open a church or charity. I hate how easy it is for scammers to take advantage of all the loopholes in the system, like a research center for psychic research, 
might as well just ask to be tax exempt so she can make a school for other future scammers. Show me the difference. I'm serious. Someone tell me what the difference is because I'm not seeing it. I took a look at the complaint itself too, and it's clear that this isn't some oopsie mistake. Sylvia was ordered to perform 200 hours of community service, and her husband was sent to jail for 100 days. Honestly, I think she belonged in there with him because again, you really can't say that she didn't know any better when she sold these securities. Through multiple steps of the way, Sylvia and Kenzel lied, hid their debts and hid the truth when it threatened to spill out. In the complaint, the investors are listed as Robin and Greg Cross. And although the nature of their relationship isn't disclosed, I have to imagine that they were at least somewhat close You wouldn't give $20,000 to a near stranger, right? But despite whatever relationship they had, whatever friendship may have been there, Sylvia took advantage of this couple. While I think that what she did to the parents of those missing children is far more sickening and disturbing, I wanted to briefly address this for a couple of reasons. For one, this shows that taking advantage of people at the end of the day is Sylvia's bread and butter. Parents of missing children, sick people, those that will invest in her business, Check, check, and check. It also shows that Sylvia was inherently selfish. Say what you want about her, but given what we do know, it seems to me like she cared about Sylvia Brown and Sylvia Brown only. Maybe she convinced herself she was telling the truth or convinced herself that telling a few lines is fine if the money's good, you know, turning off her conscience. Unfortunately, others have followed in her footsteps in all the worst ways. Sylvia Brown is an inspiration, and I don't mean that as a compliment. Although she died in 2013, her legacy lives on. Her son, Chris, has also written a book about his own psychic journey. And plenty of other psychics seem to have followed in Sylvia's path. Teresa Caputo, the Long Island medium, also loves those cold readings in front of an audience on television, using her loud, confident personality to seem credible. Other psychics, such as Susan on Heal Your Life, seem to idolize her. Susan too acknowledges what an impact Sylvia had on the psychic industry as a whole. Quote, her spirit was visiting people prior to her crossing over. She was happy, she said, because she did what she came here to do. She brought mediumship and psychics out of the closet. She then said a few kind and supportive words, wished me luck with my book and moved on, end quote. Yeah, you know why psychics should remain in the closet, so to speak, because their false messages, false hope and downright lies hurt people. It's a shame that Sylvia allowed scam artists to feel more confident. She has a legacy all right, one that continues to do harm to innocent and vulnerable people to this day. 